Welcome to Level with Emily Reese. This is music by Phil Boucher for Heroish, which is a new castle defense game for Apple Arcade. And it's got a soundtrack that Phil describes as Celtic Metal Plus. Uh, so basically, full orchestra, but also metal, and a ton of Celtic and other instruments that fit well in a fantasy genre, because this is, you know, castle defense, castles, mages, archers, things along those lines. So electric guitar and solo violin take the main stage in in the score because of a couple of characters, but there are other fantastic solos and featured moments for instruments like the illin pipes, various, various Irish flutes and whistles, even the contrabassoon of all things. Contrabassoon, if you know what a bassoon looks like, just quadruple it in size. <laughs> Maybe not that much, but it's a huge, large bassoon. Uh, and, and so we talk a little bit about that. But anyway, all of these solo instruments feature or uh, represent characters in the game. So, you know, electric guitar is for one character, solo violin, contrabassoon, etc. Now, on Phil's YouTube page, you can find these score videos that he's done, where you can hear the music while you follow along with the score. And that's pretty great. It, you know, obviously, if you can read music, it's more great. But it's still neat to kind of follow the contour of the lines and, and stuff. And he's got some uh, a video from Heroish up. He's got some Fortnite videos up like that, too, because he's written loads of music for Fortnite as well. All right, so we'll get to Phil Boucher in just a moment. You can join us on Discord to talk about uh, this and other episodes. We talk about games we're playing. We talk about, uh, well, all kinds of things. Just come join the good, wholesome fun on Discord. It's free, and the link is in the show notes. YouTube. Join us on YouTube. You'll see a conversa- this conversation that I had with Phil up on YouTube, as well as other con- conversations. And if you subscribe, then you won't miss anything. So please do give us a subscription on YouTube. And then if you're able to become a patron and support us financially, we would appreciate that a great deal, Sam and I. So you'll find us on patreon.com slash level. All right, so back to Phil Boucher talking about his uh, Celtic Metal Plus music for Heroish here on Level. My name is Phil Boucher. I'm the composer of Heroish. Uh, Heroish is a new game for Apple Arcade. It is a kind of a spin on the classic tower defense game. Um, you spawn a hero. You have one of six heroes to choose from. You have a deck of cards that you can upgrade and you summon troops to kind of fight alongside you. Um, going through different kind of medieval areas, there's like a more of a graveyard kind of area. There's more of a foresty area than like the traditional high fantasy castles and catapults sort of thing. Um, Interesting cast of characters of animals and um, knights and wolves and all sorts of different things. Yeah, I don't know if I'm really doing justice to what the game is, but... Yeah, I mean, it's really colorful and um, funny and adorable all those things and very fantasy and um and the the music is fantastic like the you can tell it's real instruments and and just like fun instrumentation so i'd love to know because there is some some really special instrumentation with the illin pipes and the the violinist is fantastic um other irish flutes and 
pipes and things. Um, contrabassoon, I swear to God, there's like a <laughs> contrabassoon solo at one point, which there is great. Is, there is. Yeah, so so we're going to talk about all of that stuff. But but I would love to know, like, when you first started writing music, was it um, how much direction were you given from the developers in terms of sound, or was were these your pitches to in terms of sound? Well, it's interesting. I I was given sort of clear direction that I instantly started steering them away from, um, <laughs> which is, I mean, it's, it's a dangerous line, right? Like I, I wasn't trying to say your idea is bad. It was the initial pitch to me from them was that they wanted sort of a Celtic metal score. And like, I grew up with metal music and I was in a metal band and like all the music I listened to when I was in high school came from Europe, if it was any good. And so like, I, I understood the, the language of it. And I was excited about it, but it's so limiting. The Crayola box is very small, like the amount of colors that you have to work with. So I started using this term Celtic Metal Plus with them just to kind of pitch them on this idea of we can have those elements, but you don't actually want this to sound like a metal album when you're done. You want it to sound like a score and you want it to sound like the score for your game. So once they started talking about all these different heroes and they want different instruments to represent all the different heroes. Then we also have the sort of the three main areas of the game that also need their own instrumentation. Like that's a big scope to cover with guitar and drums and bass and, you know, maybe a couple of extra things. So that was my sort of reactive pitch to them was let's, let's incorporate the spirit of Celtic metal and we'll have I mean, if you've listened to the score, you've, you've heard, like, there's moments where we go for it. But there's a lot of times where, you know, the flavor is there, but we're doing other things as well. Well, and I'm uh, obviously I neglected to mention the electric guitar because that is, I mean, that's even that's like a plot piece, right? So it's it's important to have had the electric metal guitar going on. Total, and that was something I said to them. It's like there's no danger of not having the shred guitar. It's <laughs> one of it's it's your main villain, right? Like it's it's in the score, it's in the plot. Same with the violin. Like we're gonna have these elements because you've written them into the story. So don't. Don't worry about it, and we can always find the balance if we don't go far enough or we go too far. So yeah, let's talk about the violinist then, because there's some really great stuff in there, and 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 I assume you handpicked the player too. So so talk to me about uh, about that choice. I knew it was going to be important, and I didn't have a great. There was no instant person that came to mind, so I really started to just scour through YouTube and and ask friends of mine just around town, like 
who do we know? Who's sort of the classically trained, but maybe not the like first chair violinist in the orchestra, like someone that has some additional influences and and likes other styles of music and can improvise and and just can can do interesting things. Um, and so I found this woman, Luann Holmesy, who is just phenomenal. I found this this video of her and she was just like shredding this like gypsy jazz solo. And it was unbelievable. And just like the, the way she was moving when she was playing, it was she was standing up. It was, it felt very fluid and it it just instantly felt like the character of Lavinia. And I sent the video off to Eric Harms, who is the audio director. And he's like, that's her. And the, you know, the video started circling around and it was like, it was instant. Everyone's just like, of course that's who it is. Huh, nice. Yeah. I mean, she has an absolutely beautiful tone and and you give her so many different ways to shine too musically, right? Like there's Dreamer's Dirge is a bit of a slower kind of, you know, obviously dirge, um, but it just really lets her her sound and, and um, lyricism shine. Yeah. And that was actually one of the later pieces that I wrote because I started writing before before I knew who was going to play it. So that's just the nature of things, right? Like you've, yep. you've got to start writing and then then you once you have your cast, then you can start tweaking things. So some things, I started writing harder music, let's put it that way, once I knew that it was going to be her because she can just play anything. Yeah. So that piece was an example of sort of the opposite where we could expose the violin, just put it out there and let it let it be the thing that drives the whole piece because I wasn't worried about we're not going to get a good player and we have to kind of hide her behind some of the programming and the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm really glad you called out that piece because it's a favorite of mine for sure. And, and also what's fun, going back for just a half a second to the electric guitar, which I think we'll talk about a few different times today, but, um, you know, I love how the score, you hold off on it, right? You don't, you don't hear it until you meet that character and you like see this weapon at the beginning of the game that's like a guitar and then you don't actually hear the guitar until uh, the, the character actually shows up. I thought that was great. That's right. And there's actually a, a clever thing that we did um, because for each campaign, you can choose between one of two heroes. And so when you're doing the cursed campaign, you can either be Lavinia or Marduk, who's the, the guy with the guitar. And all of those tracks, depending on which character you choose, it swaps out the instrument. So if you play those levels as Marduk, and all of those violin lines go away, and oh. it's a guitar instead. I want to talk about these score videos you do because these are fun and great. And I found them on your Twitter feed, but you can go to your YouTube as well. You've got like, I don't know, a dozen or so up uh, of these um, score videos. Will you talk about those? 
Yeah, um, I had my assistant kind of just go through and put up some of this stuff because just me as a music fan, I love watching other people's when I've seen them before. And, you know, I was trying to figure out a way to put some of my music out there that wasn't just a still image or like, how can I do something that's at least a little bit different or something educational? I, I don't know. Just, I was just trying to think of different ways to put stuff out there. So some of them are, um, like captures from a piano roll where, where you can see like the MIDI blocks and some of it is actual score notation. If we, we I don't always have score notation if we don't record with a live orchestra or something, but for the right. ones that we do, it's really cool to show that off. Yeah, it's, it's so cool. And and one of my favorite things about the heroish one is exactly what you call out, is how the soloists embellish the lines that you wrote. Will you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, that was interesting because you know, they weren't all in the same place at the same time. So when we made the score video, it was a, it was putting these things back together, which was actually the first time that I ever saw the notation for the soloists at the same time as the orchestra, because they just existed in different PDF files. Sure. But yeah, it's really cool to look at it and just, I'm, I see MIDI notes all day long. So whenever it turns back into notation, it's interesting. And it's like, I find myself looking at it and like, does that look like music or does that look like, is someone going to call me out and say, oh, he shouldn't have written that note or something, you know, like it's, <laughs> it's, it becomes so much more legitimate and unforgiving once it's in notation. Yeah. But I love it. I love it. away from Heroish for just a moment and, and talk a little bit about your background. I saw you're a trumpet player, which is what I grew up playing. So uh, let's geek out about that for a moment. Uh, did you start at a traditional age, like 10 years old-ish, something like that? Well, I'm going to disappoint you that I am no longer a trumpet player. <laughs> I don't um, really call myself a trumpet <laughs> player either, to be honest. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I can't remember exactly what age, but it was grade school. I think in like first or second grade, you play the recorder. Everyone gets the little plastic recorder. Yeah. And then the year after that, we there was band and everyone had to just pick an instrument. And I can't remember if I was assigned the trumpet or I picked the trumpet, but I liked it. You know, I... I I wasn't growing up in a classical household. I didn't like my parents aren't musicians. I didn't really have much exposure to the orchestra. So in some ways I had this instrument, but I didn't really have a relationship to it outside of the music that I was playing. And I think that's maybe part of why it never really stuck. Mm -hmm. Like I like practicing and I was good at it and I would play. And when I used to go to church or I would like go to some like scholarship competitions and things, but it was never it never fully felt like the right thing for me. But then you started guitar, right, as well? Or, yeah. yeah. So I started guitar, I guess, it was probably 12 or 13, um, towards the end of middle school. And, and I had a friend that was also playing the guitar at the same time. So we just get together and write terrible songs and, and play. <laughs> and like, but like, I never had that with the trumpet. I never had someone else that we were just enjoying playing the music together. So I think that had a big impact on it that I never really thought about that we 
we just get together and play. And, and it's a lot easier. You couple, couple guys with a guitar, you find someone that plays the drums and then suddenly you've got something to do on the weekends and you just get together and, and play music. And you did that all through high school, played in bands? Yeah, um, I did. And I, I started to do, uh, I went to Berkeley College of Music in Boston and they have a summer program there that I did a couple of times where you go for five weeks and you meet incredible musicians that are, that show you that you'll never be at that level. And, you know, and you start learning about all the different other parts of music besides just playing. But yeah, I mean, I don't know why I went off on that tangent, but it was just all, all throughout high school, like music just became like a pretty important part of my life. But the guitar side of it, right? Not so much yeah. trumpet. Yeah. And so when no, you went trumpet to- was gone, trumpet was gone by then. Oh, wow. Really? Okay. So you played just a little bit when you were younger and that was it. I, by the time I was in high school, I probably stopped touching the trumpet. Oh, wow. Okay. So so when you went to Berkeley, it was guitar all the way. Absolutely. Cool. I told so, you I was going to disappoint you. No, that's not a disappointment at all. I, I'm always fascinated by people, composers' paths to comp- composition because, you know, do you sit at a keyboard when you compose or do you sit at a guitar or does it depend probably? Well, now most of the time I sit at a keyboard. It's yeah. just especially dealing with MIDI, it's just sort of the easiest way to write. Sure. Um, I'll pick up, I've got a wall of guitars over there and I'll, I'll pick them up and I'll, I'll add them. And sometimes I'll start with them if I know it's going to be a very guitar-driven piece. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the things that I'm doing, if it's going to be anything orchestral, I just find it easier to, to visualize it at the keyboard than on a guitar. Yeah. How do you think it uh, influences you as a composer to have, the, I mean... I don't even know if it's fair to say that that's your point of reference then. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I just am curious to dig in a little more about where that where the inspiration comes from, you know? I think that it influences me more than I realize. You know, I, I listen back to some of the, the rhythms that I come up with and just the way that I construct a piece. And sometimes it's more like riff based with some of the low strings and things. It's definitely just in the DNA of what I right because for so long that's what i was listening to mm-hmm. but on the other hand a lot of the like the metal music and the stuff that i grew up with was itself classically influenced so it's sort right. of like the circular thing where some of the lines that come out of me even though they are probably like from some something i listened to when i was 16 they got it from some 19th century classical piece or something so there's some there's some way that it all kind of folds back into the orchestra. Yeah, let's go back to Heroish for a sec because I, you know, we mentioned that contrabassoon solo, <laughs> and I'd love to hear more about that. You don't hear a lot of contrabassoon in games. <laughs> no, and it's I'm glad you pointed that out because when we had these early discussions, I mentioned that they wanted an instrument for each hero. One of the characters is this character Bolvi, who's this giant bear. And He's in this um, the feral campaign, and the feral campaign. It's all there's no metal anywhere. It's all um, like wood based instruments and small flutes and drums and like organic things. And a lot of it was kind of meant to be things you could carry and things that you could just have out in the the forest if you were a, a bear or a rodent. You know, like it's <laughs> yeah. you're using your imagination, but at the same point, like there's some logic to how this all gets constructed. And so for for Bulvi, I was like, I think it would be just sort of interesting to do. The contrabassoon is the lowest instrument in the orchestra. It goes lower than a tuba. And 
when's the last time you ever heard like a featured solo on a contrabassoon? And I happen to know this amazing player, Anthony Parther, and he he's a phenomenal player. And I found this video of him um, doing like a, a concerto. And it was just, it was a piece for solo contrabassoon. And it, it kind of gave me some ideas of where we could go with it. But at the same time, like I had to sell them on that one because the samples weren't quite working. And I was like, I think this is going to work. I wasn't even fully convinced. I said, I think this is going to work. It's worth pursuing because it's interesting. It's kind of weird. Um, so we brought him in early on to kind of do a test on one of the tracks, which ended up being the feral map music. If you play as Bolvai, you get his instrument on the map. And they loved it. And they're like, okay, we get it. This is Bolvai. But it, it did create some challenges because for the rest of the score, anytime I had to write for him, I had to figure out how to make a contrabassoon be featured, even with everything else going on, which was not always the easiest task. Right, because of the low frequency, right? Because it's you have to somehow back everybody off so that the contrabassoon can be heard, right? Exactly. And, yeah. you know, I have a tendency to overwrite. So everything, there's a lot of percussion, there's a lot of stuff going on. So to carve out moments, like you said, to have that come through, it was... Mm -hmm. It was an interesting challenge, but I think it mostly worked. It worked. I mean, uh, you know, when I'm listening and, and prepping for, for conversations like this, I always, you know, do at least one full listen through start to finish of whatever score I'm listening to. This one I did like three or four, but it's like when I first listened to it, I had it plugged into, I had my laptop plugged into my stereo and... Uh, sometimes I'll listen with headphones, you know, whatever, just so I can hear as much of the music as possible. And when that contrabassoon track started, I was like, you know, I was doing something else, just but having it play, and, and it completely caught my attention, you know, because I was like, whatever I was focused on at the moment, eventually my brain started to realize <laughs> this is not... Normal. Uh, normal, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and it was something like I almost did want to pull out my headset and make sure that I was right, but then, mm -hmm. you know, I could tell. But but yeah, that's a tough that's a tough instrument if you want it featured often for that for that reason. It's just kind of yeah. hard to hear. And I'm I'm wondering what piece it was. It probably was the map piece, which I think is called Feral Lands on the soundtrack. Okay. Okay. Um and on the soundtrack because you can't have the interactive experience. I did a lot of blending, so you get both characters' instruments over the course of the track. But it's a contrabassoon not even used as it typically would be. It's playing melodically, which is right. incredibly unusual, because if it's going to be down there, it's usually just reinforcing bass notes or honking away and doing the comedic thing. So to let it be a, like a noble instrument was really fun. Yeah, and I bet your dude loved that too, the guy who played. Oh, absolutely. <laughs>
And then you featured some flutes and pipes, and did you have a, an actual Illin Pipes player? I mean, I think you did, yeah. Yeah, not only did I have one, I had like the one. He's um, His name's Eric Riggler. He played all the bagpipes on like Braveheart and Titanic. And, oh, wow. Uh, he, he was, I don't think he was the only one, but he played on How to Train Your Dragon. He's like, he's the guy if you okay. want that thing. And um, I had a little bit of a hard time finding him, but I was asking around like, oh, I need an Ilian pipe player. Who should I get? And everyone's like, oh, you got to use Eric. So it was, once I actually got in touch with him, he's a super nice guy. At that point, a lot of the parts were written kind of the same thing with the violinist. Like it was far enough down the road that a lot of that stuff was in progress. Mm -hmm. But he sent over this document and it was like pages and pages of, okay, there's different chanters for these instruments. So you can play in these keys and you can't play in these keys. And when you're playing in this key, this is the range that will be in tune. And then after this, it's going to start to be out. But also like this weird note in the middle of the scale will also sometimes be out. I'm usually, I can usually fix it, but like there was just all of these sort of <laughs> stipulations and requirements. And thankfully I had done a decent amount of research about the instruments because so many of these things are diatonic and they only work in one key. Yeah. And this one, because you can swap out the chanters, you can play in a couple different keys, but like there's a lot of, forethought that has to go into writing these tracks because of that reason. Right. Yeah. Lots of rules just because of how the instrument is constructed. Yeah. Crazy. Which if, if I wasn't getting it recorded with a live player, it you know wouldn't matter because you can <laughs> fake anything with samples these days. Um, so you've also composed a lot of, of, of Fortnite music, and I only bring it up because I know, you know, that's probably a whole separate conversation. <laughs> um, you know, you just, you have another really great score video up from a trailer of a new season of Fortnite coming out. And and I just loved the brass and, and all of that in, in that track and totally different style than Heroish, right? Well, the thing about Fortnite is even from season to season, the music style will vary drastically. Sure. So like that's sort of the the thing that keeps it interesting is we did a spy season. We did like a a more like traditional like 90s action thing. We did a Marvel thing. We we've done it's gone everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it really has. I've dabbled in Fortnite here and there and I have a group of local friends who play it constantly and sometimes I'll I'll hop in on their little party to, to Fortnite a bit. Um, but I did send your Fortnite playlist to my to a friend of mine, and I was like, I've played some Fortnite, but not enough to know these songs, this, this music in context. Do you recognize any of this music? <laughs> because Fortnite, you know, while you're actually playing the game, there's no music, right? So it's like in the cinematics and in the storytelling of of the game and and she was like I recognize all of this and I was like wow that's amazing <laughs> so so there you go <laughs> that's good to hear yeah <laughs> yeah I mean but but yeah talk a little bit about the um the new season music that you scored because that's in that spy style it sounded like 
Well, no, the, so the, oh, okay. That's my latest video, but gotcha. that spy video came out or the spy season at least a couple years ago now. Okay. It's been a minute. Okay. Yeah, so maybe even the last time I played, no, I'm kidding. I've played since then. <laughs> um, but, but yeah. Um, so with hero you know, you mentioned how there's different areas and then within those areas, different characters that have different instruments, right? Mm-hmm. So, so talk a little bit more about the, the areas because you kind of touched on it, but I'd like to hear a little more detail about the biomes in the, in the game. Sure. Um, we had early conversations about how we, they, they knew they wanted different instruments, but they weren't exactly sure how to do it, right? So there was this question of, are the, is the instrumentation tied to the biome and the faction or is it tied to the characters? And so we ended up mostly tying them to characters, except that those character instruments then sort of inform because they belong to one of the factions. So they inform what the larger instrumentation for that area of the game will be. So for instance, you start in the Imperial land and you've got Flynn is orchestral brass. And then you've got um, the only character really that's two characters is Ajax and Vega, which is a wolf and a female archer. And so they get two instruments. They get a tenor recorder and a viola just nice. because it's two of them. So there's some logic there. So mm-hmm. the viola becomes a string section and the tenor recorder just stays as a tenor recorder. And then beyond that, for the Imperial world, we had, um, I mean, we had things like timpani and, and um, chains and metals and mm-hmm. pipe organ and um, snare drums and all the biggest stuff, I guess, and a little bit more traditional. And then you get to Cursed, so we talked about that. We've got Lavinia with her fiddle and then Marduk with the electric guitar. So there's a, that's probably the most Celtic metal out of the three instrumentation sets. There's Bahrain, there's Gitern. I think I used a Gitern on that, which is like a medieval sort of little small string instrument. More strings, but like kind of smaller, creepy strings, pianos, <laughs> just, you know, it's it's everything, right? And then you get yeah. to the, the feral. So feral, we have um, spider bait, which was the Celtic flutes, and we had balvai with the contrabassoon. Mm-hmm. And so those plus Eric Riggler um, playing the pipes makes up a big part of the feral sound. And then there's it's augmented with lots of shakers and hand percussion and and like I said, the sort of stuff you can carry or the organic stuff. And the sure. other thing that was important about that to me was to keep metal out of that world. So all the medals are pretty much, there's some in the curse, but it's pretty much for the Imperial. I didn't realize where we were going when I was coming up with these things. Um, but they have, when you play the game, there's sort of regular levels and then there's some special scenarios. And a lot of the special scenarios are when you get close to the end of a campaign or you're starting a campaign and you've got some 
overlap between two worlds. So we would do things. It sort of made my job easy because I didn't know this was coming at the time, but because everything was so um, specific, like there's a level, I can't remember what it's called, but Bolvai and Flynn are fighting. And so you've got the contrabassoon against the orchestral brass. And, and depending on where you are in the level, you're getting mostly feral instrumentation or you're getting more of the imperial stuff start to come in with the snare drums and the chains and the other things. So it just became a really interesting way to tell story without there being much story there to tell. Sure, yeah, just with instrumentation techniques, yeah. yeah. Uh, and speaking of, where did you record? Who, who Was that a, an L.A. thing or was it overseas? What'd you do? The orchestra was in Vienna. Oh, um, cool. We, I've done a lot of stuff with them. They're fantastic. We had, I think it was 64 players in Vienna. And then all the soloists, Luann recorded here, but everyone else just recorded on their own remotely. Oh, wow. Okay, okay. No. Interesting. We're still in COVID. Yeah, I know. So you stayed uh, at home instead of going to Vienna. Did you do it distance? Yeah. 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 Wow. Well, what are you working on right now that you can talk about? That's always the question, isn't it? Right? That I, I can know. talk about. Um, <laughs> well, um, I'm still thankfully involved with Fortnite. So there's you know, there's new stuff coming all the time with that. Um, they keep me very busy. <laughs> yeah. And I'm also working on this game called Marvel's Midnight Suns, which oh, is cool. a um, between Firaxis and 2K is the studio putting that out, which is a oddly another sort of metal-inspired orchestra score. I swear it's... when I get hired, it's not because of the metal thing, but then somehow <laughs> once I'm in, they're like, hey, can we add some metal guitar to this? I'm like, All right, we can do it. That's fine. <laughs> Like, I know how to so do that. Maybe they had an agenda and they didn't tell me about it, but it, it always seems to get there eventually. Do you ever play? I mean, or did, did you didn't play on Heroish, did you? Oh, I did. Yeah. You did? Oh, that is you. All, all the guitars, um, I played a lot of like bazooki and acoustic guitars and then the, the, the metal guitars, me. Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, that's sort of the only practice I get anymore is finding excuses to play guitar on things. It just keeps me playing. What more do you want to say about Heroish or or anything, really? Wow, that's a that's a big question. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I mean, I do. I'd want to just um, emphasize how thankful I am that Sunblink understood what the live music was going to do. That's the developer, like, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So it's a mobile game, and they're a startup, and I'm sure they're they're trying to do their cost-benefit analysis or whatever startups do and, and try to figure out where are their resources best spent to put their best foot forward. And for them to understand what spending money on an orchestra and these soloists and, and what it can do to elevate the game and what it can do to make the score so lively and interesting, is it's really special and not everyone gets that. And it was it was just a pleasure to work with them and to for them to be so excited about when I sent them the, the Luan video or the Contra Bassoon, and for them, that they just instantly got it, and it was very nice. Mm -hmm. 
the way that I think about it is at the end of the day, video games are basically like animation, right? Like mm -hmm. it's there's no actual live performance there. And some of these new games like Last of Us 2 and some of these things are like they're they're so close to photorealistic and the performances are so amazing that it basically is like watching a movie. But for the most part, we're still in like animation land. And if you watch any great animated film, there's probably a live orchestra. There's and not only is there live music, but there's music that goes for it, right? And and it's it's bringing a lot of life to fake images. And yeah. so that's how I think about like that's why I add guitars on things if I know we're not going to go record and some of the things are going to say samples. Is to me, if I listen to a, a mock-up that's just samples, it sounds like sheet music. It sounds like this is what the music will turn into eventually. And so to leave it in that state kind of it feels unfinished. And to be able to say, let's get some humanity in here and some life and some rawness and mistakes and all those extra things, I think it's really important to make the game feel more alive. game sounds absolutely fantastic. You didn't do any sound design, did you? Just, just I didn't. It was okay. pretty much all done by uh, my friend Mark McBride. Oh, and, cool. I mean, he did a fantastic job. And yeah. So there was also a lot of back and forth with him just to make sure, like, there's a lot going on in the game when you're playing. There's a lot of troops. There's a lot of stuff on screen. Mm -hmm. So he's got a lot of stuff going on. The music is very busy. And to find the balance of where we can both exist without stepping on each other's toes was also a big part of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, how much, um, I guess, are you working with the team in terms of implementation? You know, I mean, I am I know you're not probably the one actually doing it, but how much are you a part of those conversations? Uh, it depends on the, the project. With this, it was, we had a lot of conversations about what was going to be the most effective. And, you know, there's not a lot of interactivity with the music. Was Initially, we had some, like, big, bold ideas of, how we wanted to to have layers and have all these th things come and go, but it just became information overload when you're playing the game and you're mm. the player experience didn't benefit from these things happening because the levels are relatively short. There's so much going on, like I said, that you you're not paying attention with your brain to that. You kind of just want the the music to provide an atmosphere and to to tell you that you're having fun and you know mm -hmm. like gives you a little bit of the vibe, but you don't need it to convey any sort of information about where troops are coming from or anything like that. So we scaled back a lot of the interactive ideas. We kept it, like I said, for the map where it's depending on which character you're playing as. And some of the longer levels that we do have some like additional layers and things that come in as you progress through them. And that was all, that was just all conversations about where are we going to get the most bang for our buck? Where is it just not going to be effective? And, you know, sometimes you try something and then you play it in the game. It was also really nice. I don't always get to do this, but I was I had builds of the game on my phone so I could play oh, it, wow. yeah. which was one nice when I'm writing it because I could just loop a section in, on the computer and play the game and, and try to see, like, does this feel right? But then also once it was implemented to be able to play through the game and and just 
see what's working, where we can improve, where we should change things. It was a big part of it. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, I'm sure that you've worked off of just strictly visuals before too, without having that kind of a tool. And that's a really visuals handy... if I'm lucky. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's a it's a one sentence description. That's all you get. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, the music sounds absolutely fantastic and and I had a lot of fun listening to it. So um, is there anything else you want to say before we go for the day? Oh, I don't think so. I think we covered it. Yeah, great. Well, thank you, Phil, so much for your time today. It was a pleasure listening and, and chatting with you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Level with Emily. You can learn more about Phil Boucher, see a playlist, and support Level with Emily at patreon.com slash level. You can find a video of the chat that I had with Phil on our Level with Emily YouTube channel, and please do subscribe to the YouTube channel so you don't miss any of our new videos and stuff. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. Konnichiwa. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Level with Emily and learn more about us at levelwithemily.com, made possible by Adam Selvage at Tiki Web Services. Composer Brad Gentle manages our YouTube channel. Level with Emily Reese is a production of June Media Inc. Here at Level with Emily, we're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance. It features a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. You can hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.